Are you ready to rewind? Take a nostalgia-filled ride back to a simpler time. It's Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. And now your hosts, Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 33 of Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. Today, we're talking about one-hit wonders of the 1990s. I'm Joe Morata, alongside the other DJ, Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Hiya. Howdy ho. Howdy ho. Yep. Ready to talk a little music today? Yeah, Muzak. Been a bit since we talked about the Muzak. Uh, Thank you guys so much for being with us here. If this happens to be your first time listening to Acid Wash Memories, we do have 32 other episodes available where, Quinn? In the archives. In the archives. Uh, All different retro pop culture topics. Each week is something completely different. So if this is your first time aboard and you like what you hear, why don't you subscribe and be sure to follow us at AWM Podcast on Twitter or X or whatever it's called. Whatever they're... When the time you're listening to this. Yeah, we don't know yet. Also, join our Facebook group. That's still around as far as I know. That's at Facebook.com. You ever heard of it? They haven't changed it to F yet or any of that crap. (laughs) F.com. Yeah. (laughs) Go over That would be real wise. That'd be F'd. Yeah. Uh, Why don't you uh, join the Acid Washed Memories discussion group on Facebook? It's a fun time where several hundred uh, like-minded retro pop culture fans talk about Enthusiasts, would you say? You know, I would. Okay. I would say that. Retro pop culture enthusiasts. Enthusiasts. And we talk about old crap, is it? Yeah, that's what enthusiasts of retro pop culture talk about, old crap. Old crap. Today, we are talking about music. We haven't done a music-based episode in a bit. We talked about MTV. We haven't done a ton on music, but- Woodstock. We did Woodstock 94. Yeah, sure. It's music involved. Uh, This time around, we're talking about some of the one-hit wonders from the 1990s in particular, but- we wouldn't be acid wash memories if we didn't give you a you know a little history and a yeah. little bit of a rundown of some other decades as well. Quinn, a one hit wonder is interesting. I was thinking about this in all seriousness because mm-hmm. you know back in the dark ages of the eighties and nineties and yes. prior, when most people consumed their music either by listening to it on the radio, yeah, or buying it in a record a store, CD, yes, maybe CD. LP, yeah, even maybe a cassette, cassette. right? Accept. It's worth it. The whole difference between now and then is that now you just pay for a streaming service. Typically, most people do, Mm -hmm. right? Back then, you're actually buying a song or a album for a specific artist, right? Right. Or if you're listening to it on the radio, you're hearing the hits of the day if you're listening to like a top 40 station. And sometimes they only have one hit and you bought (laughs) a whole album and the rest is garbage. Exactly. That would happen a lot. And that would be a one hit wonder. The one hit wonder. But Quinn, before we even get into a one-hit wonder, I do have a very important question for you. What is a song? Ah, a song. It's a piece of music where a bunch of notes are strung together, (laughs) and then sometimes people do singing. Occasionally, there's just instrumental. Oh, really? Which is when it's just only the instruments instead of the people. Right. Yeah. You know, I wonder if anyone's ever just tried just singing, but no. Yeah, sure. I'm sure somebody has. Acapella. People have even released uh, a, a song, Silence. The, remember? Where it yeah, was just, John Cage. Where it was just nothing. And it's still a song. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? Thank you for that history lesson, though, Quinn. There you go. We, we, people tune in for this, that, that's, obviously. That's the thing they want. and They just shut it off in the first 15 minutes here. See you next week, everybody. Yeah. But a one-hit wonder, uh, in all seriousness here, is uh, you guys know what it is, but really, definition-wise... It's not a tangible, concrete thing, but I guess it's theoretical. I mean, I would consider it tangible. It is, in a way. Because it's a song by somebody who you 
probably forget. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. That, that's really catchy. True. And then you never hear from the guy who made that or gal again. Right. And, <laughs> and some of these people or bands, right, mm-hmm. that have these one-hit wonders, they have long careers. It's not... Let's be very clear here. A lot of the songs that we're going to mention are by artists that had prolific in their own vacuum careers. I mean, they might have been a band for 10, 15, 20 years. Journeymen, as we'd say, in sports. And and some of them hit it big within a couple of years. Some of them out of nowhere, and you never hear from again. But it is different than a band that had several hits, but that's about it. Like during a short amount of time. You know, like the band Fastball. Yeah, I've they have um, the way is like their big song, but they had another single out from that album that also charted. They're not technically a one-hit wonder, but they're kind of a fifteen minutes of fame type. I feel of like band. a lot of it attributes itself too to like sometimes the record companies just get stuck on a song, even if it's like the band has no longevity at all. It's kind of like a manifestation of the record company pushing the shit out of something to like force it into being a hit. Like somebody had some record. This is the best song I've ever heard, and we're gonna just push it, and we're gonna push it. Push it. I, we if people don't like it, we're still going to push it, and yeah. it's going to be a hit, and we don't care. You know, back in the day, they used to call that pluggers. Those people were called yeah. pluggers, and they would do yeah. exactly what you're describing, Quinn. In terms of our discussion, though, and what we're going to do is I looked up some definitions here by some music journalists that I've never heard of. Uh, one of them is Wayne Jancic, and he defines a one-hit wonder as an act that has won a position on Billboard's national pop or top 40 charts just once. I mean, that's a quantifiable, but Correct. even like, the, I feel like the billboard charts are like absolutely irrelevant these days. Well, these there's, days there's they too are. much, there's too much stuff with the internet and things like that. But back in the day, you know, in the decades that we're talking about, they, they were a lot more relevant. Uh, Fred Bronson has the criterion, if you will, that an artist is ineligible to be categorized as a one hit wonder if they have a second song. That made it to They're the Billboard disqualified. Yeah. Top 100. So I'm kind of leaning in between both of these. For so we're the, going by the Billboard? Well, the Billboard is the number one chart. You know, let's let's do this. Let's talk yeah. about Billboard because they are the most prominent historically, and I guess their name is still notable I mean, today. They're, they're essentially like a tracking company, right? I mean, they, they just track what songs are the most played or whatever whatever their metrics were, but there wasn't many like competitors or anything. It was just like they were kind of like the encyclopedia of this. In, right? in our heyday, by the time that we came of age, and probably yeah. most of the people listening... Uh, they were pretty much the only game in town. But there used to be back in the 60s, you know, several different charts, but they all sure, like anything and, when it starts, yeah. right? But with this kind of thing, you kind of really have to have like just one, right? It's like it doesn't, it's, good. it's not one of those things that needs to have multiple tracking things. I agree with you, actually. Yeah, maybe maybe another one just to kind of keep them in check, but not more than two. As a comparison, yeah. Like, kind of now they have Metacritic, but OpenCritic came along because Metacritic uses a weighted average and OpenCritic's a raw average. Right, correct. So they, that's the only difference. But it's a check and a balance, like right, you said. Right, yeah. Uh, most of the people that are listening to us probably have heard music before. I think so. I would say you probably like music. What if they only <laughs> listen to podcasts? Just never music. Yeah. Like they hear like this thing that isn't people talking and there's like a guitar and they're like, yeah. what the fuck is that? What is that sound? <laughs> what is music? I don't know. Uh, you're going to hear us talk about and even play some clips from songs that uh, that you know. So and if you've never heard music. Maybe strap in. Hold your hats. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Hang on to it. Yeah. Or maybe take it off. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to get... They're strapping in your chair or you might fall out. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is a bit of a laid-back, casual episode here of Ask Watch Memories, but we are going to give you some history, and we're going to do that right now. Uh, Billboard, we were talking about. 
was actually founded in 1894 in Ohio. You might wonder, well, Billboard, well, it was originally an advertising-focused magazine. That makes sense. Hence its name. By 1897, apparently Bret Hart worked there because it was renamed The Billboard. You know, I thought I could write a good article for The Billboard. Now, this was, if I'm not mistaken, pre-war. Pre-Spanish-American war. Yes, <laughs> that, that really lengthy yes, um, conflict. conflict yes. <laughs> uh, now, by 1907, to timestamp this, the Billboard decided to focus on motion pictures, you know, all six of them that were yeah. out in 1907. They weren't even, like, full length. No, uh, they were shorties. Yeah, yeah. Didn't have the talkie yeah, A lot of them were just like, here's a city. Look, the, the trains and stuff are moving, right? But that's a big deal back then. It is. It's like, wow, I can't even believe I'm seeing this. What was this, yesterday? But I'm seeing it now? What is this? That's a good point. I mean, who was even active then? Was Fatty Arbuckle around yet? I don't know. Buster Keaton and all them? Joe, we're talking the era when, like, they were first showing these things, and somebody filmed a train coming out of the camera, and the people in the theater ran away. Well, that's that's a real story. Well, the Great Trainer Robbery was yeah. around this time. Yeah, uh, no, and, people thought it was coming through the freaking wall. Yeah, like, and the guy shot at the screen, and they they freaked out. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. But anyway, the Billboard here decided to focus on music because Variety magazine was doing a good job with the motion pictures. So the first chart the Billboard posted was in 1913, and it was called Last Week's Ten Best Sellers Among the Popular Songs. In case you're wondering, well, how are they posting a chart in 1913 about best-selling music? What medium could that have possibly been? Sheet music. Sheet music. Oh, wow. We're going that deep, Yes. Because, huh? I mean, 1913, pop music, the way it would even become in the 20s and 30s, wasn't really a thing yeah, yet. Yeah, but Wax Records existed. And they, they did. And there was even the, they even had the machines with the with the punch cards, and you turn it around, and the music comes out, right? Oh, I know. And one day we'll do a, a whole uh, breakdown of records, I think, because we never really did. We did CD, but we never fully there did records. They're a record. fascinatingly simple technology that actually has extremely high fidelity. <laughs> That's a great hi-fi, yeah, would you yeah, say? Yes. Would you say that? Stop. Anyway, in 1928, uh, Billboard had a chart known as popular numbers featured by famous singers and leaders, meaning band leaders, not right. like Herbert Hoover. You know, yeah. that, you, know what I, you know what I think is funny about tracking this far back? Yes, sir. Is that I think a lot of people don't think music existed until like the 20s or something. Like the, well, the you way, know kids these days. Until like jazz or something like that. Like yeah, that's pe- true. Pe- people seem to be like unaware that there'd been music for like a... Th- thousands of years before sure. this. Like, On the dulcimer and the yeah, sack butt. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> it's in the playing. Bible. It is. It's a <laughs> it goes that far back. Ago. Yeah. And uh, obviously, but even classical music yeah. and from the Renaissance and things. There were and hits of the day. Absolutely. Like, it was a thing. Like, like, Mozart was very, very popular and so right. was uh, Beethoven. It was a treat to well, hear something he did <laughs> or to hear somebody go yeah, do something play. that he wrote. Right. Yeah. This is totally, totally, totally true. <laughs> In 1940, we had the Billboard Music Popularity Chart. Okay, we're getting there, right? right. And finally, by 1955, which is post-what? War. Yes. Uh, we had the Billboard Top, now Hot 100. So that was the chart that became the de facto gold standard, if you will, amongst ranking what is selling popular. Right. I want to I clarify this, too. That specific chart, the Billboard Top 100, is sales of singles. Okay, so we're just only on sales. Well, that chart, yes. It is independent of radio airplay. However, almost exclusively, the one-hit wonders 
if you hear them on the radio, their single is selling of and course. vice versa. Yeah. Okay. So we're They're just connected. being clear. They are connected. So some quick examples before we get to the 90s. I'm just running them down. We're not playing clips of these folks. You know that song Earth Angel from Back to the Future? Yeah. Yeah. That. That was actually a one-hit wonder in 1954 by the Penguins. Hmm. Um, obviously, Marvin Barry did a much better cover. It's not by the yeah. It's not by Marvin Barry no, or, he was or, much or Marty McFly. Yeah, your cousin Marvin Barry. We've got a couple of silly ones I wanted to yeah. mention. Uh, you ever hear that song Monster Mash? Yeah, it's all Monster Mash. Easy to play to Halloween every year. Yeah, uh, 1962 by Bobby Pickett. That is a one-hit wonder. He never did anything else. Yeah, I, I've never heard um, Monster Splash or whatever his sequels were. <laughs> Monster Crash. You know yeah. the one about driving. Shut up. Yeah, sorry, folks. Uh, there was a song known as "Keep On Dancing" by the Gentries, baby, in uh, 1965 by uh, Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart was a member of, yeah. and uh, <laughs> we just figure that was worth mentioning. If you never heard heard of the gentries but maybe you've heard keep on dancing maybe it'll play under us right now while we're talking this one's interesting this is the last one of the 60s and then we're going to move on to the 70s you know that song Inagata Davida? Oh yeah, that's a one-hit wonder. Iron Butterfly. Wow, I would have thought that was some other band. You would think because of it, it's 1968 you would think Due to the sound of it, and it's yeah. late 60s. That Sounds occur- like somebody who's been doing this for a while, right? <laughs> like that it's like some experimental shit that like, oh, we got the record company to like not bother us. Well, that maybe it could have been like a, a Black Sabbath like prototype or yeah, like yeah. Cheer or one of them, right? Yeah. But Iron Butterfly, one hit wonder. And it got a DeVita. That's actually a pretty fun song because it's, yeah. it's like metal, pre-metal, you know, it's proto-metal. Just, it's spooky to me. I like it. I don't it. know it's why. Good. 1970s. Kung Fu Fighting, 1974, Carl Douglas. Ah, yes. Everybody. Yeah, that would be used in like movies and stuff, too. Popular commercials. Yeah. That's a song. Again, I'm trying to pick ones that people know, except for Keep On Dancing. That was just for fun. But (laughs) I'm trying to pick songs that people know just to illustrate some of the pros and the cons of being a one-hit wonder. The, The good thing is... You make a lot of money in a short amount of time and get very famous in a short amount of time off of one song. The bad thing is you make a lot of money in a short amount of time and get very famous in a short amount of time off of one song. But you do get royalties after the fact, especially you if it's do. big enough to kind of keep the like, Inagata Devere. They play that forever. Right. I don't know. Kung what- Fu Fighting <laughs> was used in like movies. I'm sure that guy is making a ton of money. I would like to know if anyone has the inside scoop on Carl Douglas's royalty checks. Yeah. Please let us know. The ones that make it into like movies and commercials, I guarantee you that those guys are just living off the royalties. Well, that's assuming like, they have a decent enough contract with the record company or yeah. the publisher. It's kind of like even how later, like the Beatles, where like once their music started appearing in movies and stuff, people were like, "Well, did they sell out?" Like you know, like <laughs> yeah, they but, sold out a lot of places. They played. Yeah. I'll tell you that. No, much. I just mean to say is like I remember in the '90s, people were making a big deal that like Beatles songs were in commercials. Yeah, that wasn't or them. Whatever. They didn't yeah. control that. That yeah. was ATV and Sony and Michael Jackson. Right, they, but they pe- didn't. Control people it. seem to have an issue. You know children of the 60s seem to have an issue with that. Truthfully, the Beatles had an issue. McCartney had a huge issue. Mm -hmm. You know, fuck face. Another song from the 70s that I love personally, but it technically is a one-hit wonder. Thin Lizzy, The Boys Are Back in Town. Really? Yeah. The Boys Are Back in Town. They never had another hit. Man, I always thought that was like uh, the Cars or something weird <laughs> like that. See, we're here to educate because some people might not know certain See, songs. So here's this is Quinn's kind of blind spot knowledge with music. Sometimes there's a lot of times where a big hit, especially if it's a one hit wonder, yeah, it's always hard for me because the band is just 
a forgotten footnote. Sure. I'll attribute it to some other... Famous band? Yeah, some other famous band in a similar-ish time period. Like Blinded by the Light, a lot of people think of Springsteen. Do they? Yes, and he actually wrote it, but the version everyone's heard is not Springsteen. Hmm. Revved up like a douche, even though that's not yeah, what he says. Remember? I know, I always thought it was revved up like a douche. <laughs> it's actually and I was like, what is that lyric? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> that Seriously. It's, it's odd. It is a little odd. Play that funky music. You ever hear that song? Wild Cherry. Never heard of him. <laughs> I just had to look it up to see what it was. Now, please, those of you that are music heads, right? Music files. Is, is that a word? Uh, no. Don't sneer. Because, you know, we, we have blind spots in music as we do in everything pop but culture. But I think what I'm saying, I think a lot of people think the same stuff. I, I don't think I'm wrong on that, right? It's I don't like, think you are either. The majority, not music heads. I know music heads are just rolling their eyes, but like... That's okay. You know what I'm saying? It's like, people are like, oh, that's that's gotta be whoever, right? right? That that they know that some, the music's somewhat similar or something. Especially if it's before your time. Yeah. And the 70s is before our time. Right. Now, uh, there's one more from the 70s. We're gonna move on to the 80s, and then we're gonna start playing some clips here. Again, there's like a laid-back, casual episode episode of Acid Wash Memories here. We figured we'd give you a little music as you listen. The Knack, My Sharona. You know yes, that one, right? My Sharona. My Sharona. Good song by a weird band, The Knack. It kind of like they were billed briefly as like a new Beatles, and I was yeah. like, no. <laughs> Do you feel the 80s was a a more frequent period for one-hit wonders? Yes. Because I think because the music was, you know, easier to distribute with cassettes now and Walkmans and stuff, and they were just pumping stuff out. 100%. Plus, FM was a lot more widespread by the right. 80s. Not the distribution methods kind of made it. So, we need mu- We got to fill this these devices, right? That's we, the thing. We need to get this in people's ears. We need to reason to sell these Walkmans and, and keep yeah. selling singles and whatever. We're talking, we're in the age now of, like, the electronics are starting to catch up and allowing this music to be more portable. And not only that, Quinn. Boombox. Boxes, things like that. In the 80s is when uh, a lot of computer music started to be made. Synthesizers, It was a lot easier to produce. So I'm going to run down some social media as we have a lot more here because there's a lot. And this isn't even all of the 80s one-hit wonders that we would know. You're going to know every single one of these. Mm -hmm. 1981, Tommy Two-Tone, 867-5309. There you go. That was a one-hit wonder. Soft Cell's cover in 1991 of Tainted Love. Oh, my God. That one's a big one. I love I love that yeah. song. I love the original, too, from yeah, the, the 60s. And the album is, some, is I, I don't like it. Well, there you go. I, I went and explored that <laughs> once. <laughs> well, this is more up your alley, 80s music, yeah, right? Especially yeah. kind of on the new wave-ish side. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you'll know this one. Everyone does. Tony Basil, Mickey, 1981. Yeah. One-hit wonder. It's kind of crazy to me that Tony Basil is a one-hit wonder just because you always confuse her with Pat Benatar for some reason. You think so? In fact, I remember going back to our Napster episode that the, Hey Mickey was very commonly mislabeled Pat Benatar. I'm not surprised. Yes. I'm seriously not surprised because yeah. I didn't know that. Because uh, the video, she looks very similar. Looks a little similar. If you yeah. don't know who it is, you, you might right. not even think to look. Uh, this one I really like, too. Modern English, 1982, I Melt With You. Yeah, talk about song used in uh, commercials. Yeah, like. oh my God. What a catchy one, yeah. though, right? Everyone knows this one. Dexy's Midnight Runners, also 1982, Come On Eileen. Yep. Nice. Another one-hit wonder. One. Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Relax, 1983. That album was promoted insanely. It's yes. crazy to me that they were only one. They had t-shirts and everything. Yeah, like, they made it into the wedding singer, yeah. remember? They were everywhere. They were. Uh, this one is awesome. Dead or speaking of wedding singer, Dead or Alive, you spin me mm-hmm. round. Nineteen eighty four. When have you ever heard Dead or Alive ever again, other than the video game exactly. Dead or Alive, <laughs> or the Bon Jovi song yeah. Dead or Alive? And one more from the eighties here. 
Simple Minds, 1985, Don't You Forget About Me. Yep. Another iconic song, never heard of the band ever again. That, that is, <laughs> like, is that in a John Hughes film? Yes. It's at the end, end of, of uh, The Breakfast, Breakfast Club, Club when he yes. sticks his hand up that's, and then the freeze frame and that the plays. One. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good. That song had the benefit of being in a movie. And that's the it other did. thing we didn't... We, that's the other part of the acceleration of this. Good was point. Fast Times at Richmond High is credited with this as being one of the like trailblazers in this model. What if we had an album that accompanied the movie, right? And so they get all these artists, and there's a lot of 80s movies... That there's just freaking one-hit wonder songs, people trying to promote their crap, like, throughout the movie. <laughs> You're right. And the actual, I was watching a special on this once, and the marketing and thinking was, most kids back then were going to see movies in malls. True. And so, when they walked out of the movie theater, they go to Sam Goody or whoever, right next door, after watching, they spend their allowance on the album to the movie that they just That's watched. That's a great, great point. You're absolutely and right. And that, that was that was how this was built. Kind of like how we've talked about how like the action figures were designed to go with the cartoon. Yep. Like this is like classic 80s marketing, like how they th- like schemes they've developed. <laughs> it's, right? it's almost like these marketing people think about this, right? Yeah. You know, music folks, maybe you recognize a lot of the songs I mentioned. If you haven't, we apologize. But music does it embeds in people's memories, right? It resonates yeah. with people. And for me, even, a lot of times when I hear a song maybe I haven't heard in a while, it reminds me of a time and a place, you know, yeah. and it evokes memories. Here's an example for me. I don't know why I get very, like, happy, emotional, whatever. Everybody Oh, yeah, Tears for Fears. Roll. Anything Tears for Fears just kind of gets, gets so like, a little rally. goosebumps. Like, you know, mm, yeah, yeah, okay. That, I could see you, I haven't seen this, but I could see you if you were thrust into a karaoke situation after a few drinks, you would sing that, wouldn't you? Absolutely. It's a great song. <laughs> just checking. Anyway, uh, for us folks, if you're new here, you know, if we sound really young to you, well, we're closer to 40 than we are 30. Let's put it that it's way. Unfortunate. I don't mind. But uh, we uh, we came of age in the 90s. We we remember a hair of the late 80s, literally. I've got a couple of memories well, we, from the we, 80s. We were, to be fair, as far as our a range of music is concerned, we were, as kids of, like, children of the early 90s, we were splattered on with 80s stuff. Oh, like, yeah. Right? Like, it oh, was God, just, yeah. consi- like, the music of the day. Because it's not like now where stuff just goes away right away. Right. Like, these songs were still, like, in regular rotation for our ears. Phil like, Collins, I remember hearing yeah. countless times when I was I would a say little everything kid. everything, f- it felt like from, like, 80 to 89 was still just around. Yeah, I right? think so. It was like, it was just still very readily available. Songs from like the mid-80s recent. were recent. Yeah, yeah when the, when I first became cognizant of music. Yeah. Absolutely. But we wanted to focus on the 90s because we figured, well, we remember the 90s and we remember when the, a lot of these songs came out. And you guys, even if you're older than us, you would also most likely remember the 90s. Mm-hmm. So we figured we'd, uh, we'd go through some of these. But let's talk about the 90s in music here before we get into the first half of the decade. The 90s were a transformative time in music. Mm-hmm. Not not that other decades aren't. Let's be fair. I mean, a lot of times that happens in decades. The I would 60s. say we were going from, a lot of people like to say hair metal, but the 80s was more than hair metal. It was, it was very synthesized. New and, wave. And new wave. And, and, Post-punk. And a, and a little bit of early rap. That's true. Run DMC in particular, yeah, like, as far so as the mainstream. It was a pretty like, varied, but it, it had a, a sound, a, a kind of a more bigness 
to it, I feel, or an epicness, I almost want to say. I would give you that. Like a lot of echoey music, <laughs> like yeah, stuff like ethereal, that. Yeah, ethereal, yes. Or, or stuff that was like very... Uh, very dreamlike. Sure. Like if you if you think of Careless Whisper. Yeah. You know. And then Peter the nineties, you know, again, if you weren't there, the nineties was all about this down home kind of like we did it in our garage kind of stuff. Yeah. Like it, it which was kind of weird because it's just kind of going back to the late seventies again. And like Well that is true. Yeah, and it, the late sixties. Yeah. This this Seattle grunge. That was a big part of the ethos. But with but interspersed with Gangster rap and like Brit pop, yeah, boy bands, yeah, and but as the decade went on, correct. But it started the big shift was with like Nirvana and stuff. Yeah, it is, and then it kind of went back up again to big popular music. It did. So. That, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. One day I would love to do a death of hair metal because I really find that to be a fascinating topic. But you know, glam metal, hair metal, whatever you want to call it, it did phase out right at the same time that grunge and and more so than grunge, although because that had a short run of yeah. being a couple years. Alternative rock yeah, took like over for a while. Alanis Morissette and stuff. Yeah, yeah and like, like Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, you know, a lot yeah. Of Green Day, The Offspring, they all yeah, had but hits. All this more, I don't want to call it earthy sound. No, I, I but I know, know what you're saying. The term normally would be roots rock, although it's not yeah, the same genre. It's more just not as produced. Not as glamorous. Is organic a yeah. better term, maybe? Yeah, not, not as dreamlike. Not as disco Not as whimsical. Yeah. Not as big. Not singing about a pair of shoes, as I've heard said before. You know? <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah, Waxing no. fondly Waxing. about a new pair of shoes. <laughs> but yeah, it was an interesting time. And I've tried to do it this way, folks, for those of you listening here. There is absolutely no way that we can mention or listen to every single one-hit wonder that you're thinking of, right? There's just right. No- So if you say, well, what about this? What about that? Well, this is what we picked. But not only that, we'll mention a few from each year in order, and then we'll play one. We're mm-hmm. not going to inundate you with music. One from each year. So in 1990, a couple of songs uh, that I wanted to mention here, There She Goes. You know that yeah. song. There she yep. goes, which would be a uh, married an axe murderer. Yeah, it is in that, isn't it? Uh, that's that's where I remember it most. That's funny. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Groove is in the heart by Dean Light. Here's one. I touch myself by the Divinals. Oh God, Randy Jackson on bass yeah. on that. By the way, I but- think of like New Line Cinema when <laughs> I think of that. But the one I wanted to play is a song known as "Epic" by Faith No More. This song, folks, peaked at number nine on the Billboard Top 100 in 1990, and it is. Yeah, I, I would say everyone knows this song. Listen, I'll tell you not, what. But- in the early days of, of of Napster, once again, this yeah. was another song that floated around. I feel like Chili Peppers, Rage. Yes, <laughs> it, it was labeled with like the wrong band all over the place because nobody knew who they were. It, it does sound like the Chili Peppers. Well, they, they you know it's interesting about uh, Faith No More, who by the way, eighties, nineties, old yeah. metal, semi funk band. They had a feud with the Chili Peppers. Here's the chorus. This is it's very of the time. It's very 1990, is it not? Oh, yeah. And by the way, I want to mention something else here, and we'll get to our next song. Uh, Those of you on the other side of the pond, because we have a lot of listeners over in the UK and even in Australia and Canada, we are using the US bass charts for this because there are bands that may have had uh, more than one hit in a different country, but not here. Right. So if you're listening, you're like, wait a minute, this band is very famous where I come from. Yeah. You're, yeah, but not here. Especially in locations like, I, I feel like the UK, Australia, those are areas where 
they could just have a, their own little scene exactly. that's like completely separate from the United States. Where maybe like a one song will cross over to us over here, yeah. but that's it, you know? Right, yeah. Like Blur is one of those bands, right? Mm-hmm. Like Blur is very, very famous in England, or was, but Oasis was the one that was more yeah, famous Oasis. here. Oasis. Exactly. I was thinking of them. And they don't yeah. like each other either. Anyway, let's uh, move on to 1991 here. There are some songs that, um, again, I'm just mentioning them for fun, but Can You Dig It by the Mock Turtles was a big hit. Mm-hmm. Also, Life is a Highway by Tom Cochran. You know that one? A great song. More um, stuff that was probably on a TV show or movie. And it was <laughs> like, probably, yeah. Like, and you know what? It's Napster mislabeling. It's probably what? John Mellencamp what? or is somebody? This just so, yeah, is this just <laughs> some like the Napster mislabeling? Is that just going to be like the trend with all I, of this? I think it is, like, though. It's just funny because it really was a thing. And there was like so much of this where for years I'm like, oh, that's the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> yeah. like, And I had no concept of the year or anything. I, was, I right, wasn't right. really thinking about that. I'm just like, oh, this is just one of their songs. Exactly, because right? <laughs> back then, if you didn't, if you weren't internet savvy or you didn't know where yeah. to look, you really wouldn't know. Crap was mislabeled a lot. Yeah, like, it was. It was. Yeah. And also, your parents wouldn't remember. No, because there's a one. This hit- is a one hit wonder. <laughs> right. Nobody remembered. That was the whole point. <laughs> exactly. This next one, though, is the one we're going to play. This peaked at numero uno. Yes, number one. This song. It is by Right Said Fred. It is, of course. I'm too sexy. Yeah, another uh, commercial song. Another this one. Does this not so sound many like- weddings? So many, you know, you'd see it on a fashion show on TV or something. Does it not sound like 1991 with the dance beat? Well, I'll tell you what. It sounds like early 90s England, oh, like like t- some TV show, like well, absolutely fabulous, or one of, one of those where it's like you know it's in like the PAL frame rate, and you're like, <laughs> oh, this is from England, right? Well, you know what though, this band is from yeah. the PAL frame rate. When yeah. uh, R- Fred and Richard. Fairbrass, a British dance pop, Euro pop duo. Yeah. And guess what? We were talking earlier about how some bands hit it big right away. Mm-hmm. They were only formed in 89, Quinn. Yeah, this is this shot right. This song was everywhere. Yeah, I this remember is like it. a pop culture phenomenon, this song. Number one, baby. Yeah. Now I remember this new. Do you remember it new in 91? Yes. yes, I remember and it was just all like there was people that would be um too sexy. Yep. Like it was like kind of like a, a funny thing people would do. Yeah, you know? and some people probably still say that phrase, right? Yeah. That guy thinks he's too sexy for his shirt. Yeah. Now, this was in uh, commercials and stuff oh, and it, had a video. Again, it's one of those, it was everywhere. It was everywhere. <laughs> this was all over the place all in, that year. In the Napster days, though, I don't know. If this would have been mislabeled, would This you was see? not mislabeled. It wasn't? No, it was right? Okay. No, this, I, I don't ever remember seeing this mislabeled. I'll defer to you on that one. Uh, moving on to 1992. Jump Around by House of Pain. Ah, yes. Jump Around. God, that song was awesome. That right. is a huge one, right? Oh, my. I, I remember literally being like a kid and they would play it and every, uh, everyone jump. Jump around. Jump, jump around. Jump, jump. And speaking of jumping, down. Jump by Crisscross was another yes. one hit that wonder. Jump by Crisscross was also like <laughs> side by side and it was very confusing as like a seven year old or whatever I was. Four? <laughs> not four. Probably six. You were probably like, like, yeah, probably six. So it was very like, is this the jump song? <laughs> like, do we jump now? Like, it was also confusing because, uh, Jump, dan, dan. Van Halen, Van Halen also also just playing on the radio. By the way, just in 80, did, yeah. while all this was going on in '92, yeah, yeah, probably my favorite jump related song. Yeah. By the way, is Van Halen, yeah. but Crisscross. I remember being a huge deal. 
Oh my god, they were like the biggest thing ever, and then nobody ever heard of them. Weren't they like twelve or something? Yes, <laughs> that's what that was the whole thing. They were like uh, they were kid, almost like the Jackson Five or something like that. Right, right? just where, young, just young, or the Partridge Family, or yeah, <laughs> yeah just like the Partridge. Family. I just mean to say it's like the, it's the like David Cassidy, the, the act where ch- the children are singing. Right, I understand. It's like, that's that's all I'm saying. Well, Daddy Mac and Mac Daddy, right? That was their names. Yeah, I, I guess so that's not marketing. Some guy in a suit didn't think of that We're one. Call you Daddy Mac and Mac Daddy. <laughs> yeah. You know that's just some It'll be jerk so off in an office. Yeah. It'll, and you could wear your clothes inside out and backwards, and the yep. kids will want to emulate you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> moving on here. Here's a big one. Now, personally, I like this guy's daughter's music a real lot, but Billy Ray Cyrus. Achy, breaky heart, 1992. Another. A Well, this was weird. This stood out because we weren't really in a country music era for pop music. For the pop charts, no. This is credited, that achy, breaky heart is credited with starting to have country music bust through a little bit. Thanks, Billy. Bust through again. Not that it wasn't. See, the thing with country music is, is if you live in like the Northeast, you're like, what the hell is that? Like you, especially you, where we are. Yeah. It's very weird when you go down South everywhere else and man. you li- you turn on the radio and you're like, why are half the stations like music? I've never heard in my life. Even like, like two what hours away. This? Yeah. It's like, what <laughs> is all of this? Like, like, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It uh, is just not popular in the Northeast. And I guess also like West coast probably doesn't, Probably not as much, but I mean, I think still more than us, honestly. Even Connecticut, for crying out loud, they have Mm -hmm. country up there. Connecticut! Yeah. They have reel-to-reels in their mansions, right, Jonathan Vicento? Right. But they also have the country music. But the New York City area, we do not touch that. We really don't. Yeah, it's it's like, it's just not popular. It has to be like a big mainstream hit here, like a Garth Brooks, you know, Mm -hmm. from the 90s or somebody like that. Yep. Or whoever. But again, Bart Winston. Iggy Breaky Heart was a huge... (laughs) breakthrough huge mullet right. too yeah hockey hair quinn oh very hockey <laughs> but it was a huge song uh, and of course 1992 would not be complete without well a song about the butt uh, of big course butts. <laughs> big butts and i i cannot like one yeah. we're of course talking about sir mix a lot baby got back this was this uh, infamous intro it, so yeah big. this song like is i guess enjoyed ironically world. to this day yeah, so it, even you know, like even back then though, it, it was catchy though. So the intro like is it's it's like a valley girl kind of thing. Yeah. Like but talking about butts. Yeah. That's and what then it, is. it goes into this song. And I always felt this song was like a parody song. Is that it's, just me? Like, it's not as like in the in a weird owl vein. It's not here, we gotta listen here. Yeah. Um, sorry, Andrew Rogers, again. Andrew Rogers, just turn the episode off. But no, I don't think this is necessarily supposed to be a parody, Quinn, but it is definitely tongue-in-cheek, you know what I mean? Yes, it's, it's, it's not as serious. No, of course, it's not saying about butts. How serious Right, but I'm be? saying it's like, it's like the hip-hop scene was going into more serious topics in yeah. this time, and you had this kind of fun thing, right? It was it was, like, it's like a holdover from the party DJ mentality of the late 70s. 70s, early 80s. Yes. Right? It's goofy. It's yeah. a little goofier. But at the same time, Sir Mix-a-Lot, I don't know that he was... You know, he. I actually had the album, believe it or not. Why? I don't know. Why not? And uh, <laughs> in the, the whole album's not like this, just for yeah. the record. No pun intended. But this is still a wet... It's like a wedding song now with, you know, yes. people... <laughs> well, to me, that just speaks to it's like how comical it's, it is, right? It's, it's lighthearted, it, yeah. It's light because it's just silly, especially with the intro really softens it. Like it could be, 
if without the, that Wait, intro, no, 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 without that intro, I'm serious. Yes. Without that intro, it might be interpreted as like lewd or whatever. Oh, oh, oh. And, but the intro like makes it, softens it, turns it into more of a funny thing. Ah, uh, yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, the intro does help with that. Yeah, but it's like, what was that one with the guy where he's wearing the Beethoven or the Mozart wig? It's our big. Yeah, you know what? I, oh, baby, you got what oh, I. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. In that same vein of yes. like, it's yes, half, it's half serious. Yes, right. It, it's it's mm-hmm. lighthearted, fair, good uh, time, regardless. Good time. Sir Mix a lot. By the way, it's Anthony Ray who began his career in 1981. His last album was 2003. Oh, uh, see, I thought you were going to tell me he was knighted by the Queen at, and his oh. name. He was born Mix, and his last name is a lot. Well, we did for- Sir Mix a lot. We did forget to mention when he went over to the UK and the whole Order of the British Empire thing. Yeah, and, yeah. It visited Parliament. Yeah. And the, it's wasn't... It's the Queen knighted him. Hard over there, yeah. So there you go, Sir Mix-a-Lot. Uh, 1993. And this part of the decade, Quinn, I don't know how to describe this without sounding stupid or too vague. In my mind, 1993 is when the 80s ended. Oh, yeah. In in a lot of things. In pop I mean, culture. In Jurassic Park and in Free <laughs> Willy. It's, it's getting weird. Look who's talking now. Yeah, it's starting. It's, start, it's starting. It's like okay, now we're now we're now we're nineties. Turtles right? three. Yeah, tur- that's unfortunate. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, for some reason, there's always bleed over right in de- when the decades switch. Of course, like any like any decade. Like any it's, decade. it's not just it's not just the, the new decade no, right now. No, it's right, right. Like do you, do you, in twenty twenty, it wasn't like. Oh, wow, we're just going to forget all the stuff from the last 10 years, <laughs> right, right? right? But I do feel like certain things start to take shape in pop culture, you know, that enter the zeitgeist or whatever. And I believe in my unscientific opinion of folks, let us know what you think at AWM Podcast on Twitter. Also, let us know if you like music and mm-hmm. if you've ever listened to it. But I do believe that it's around like the third, like 93 would be where the 90s have now taken more shape than 90 or 91. Is that too vague? Does that 90, make any 92 sense? 92 is very 90s to me. 92 is 90s, yeah. yeah. Okay. Even, a lot of 91 is when it really phased into me, You personally. think so? Yeah. All right. Well, folks, let us know when, when the 90s really started and the 80s Super ended. Super Nintendo, Joe. 1991. <laughs> well, I guess the Japan got the 90s a little bit earlier. Yeah, than they did. did. They got it in 1990, those lucky guys. <laughs> Hell. Anyway, 1993 had a whoop, there it is by Tag Team. Again, everywhere. Every, huge. Yeah, you know, everyone was saying, whoop, there it is. Like Literally. And sometimes they say, poop, there it is. But that was just a, a funny joke. <laughs> or, <laughs> or Gorilla Monsoon. Oops, there it is. Yeah. Oops, there it is indeed. Problem. Didn't think so. There was also Runaway Train by Soul Asylum. No Rain by Blind Melon. We talked about that one in our Woodstock episode. Mm-hmm. All I can say is that my life that the is song with the little girl or whatever, like that weird video. <laughs> is it? Yeah, where I she think dressed right. up like a sunflower. I you're think. better with videos than yeah. me, but I think you're right. So the one I wanted to spotlight here is uh, "What's Up" by Four Non Blondes. Now, Four Non Blondes, by the now, way, you just sang this title. I'm like, what is even this song? Correct. It's probably you're gonna play it, and I'm gonna be like, oh, you'll know. Four Non-Blondes was an, I guess, an alt-rock girl band, as it was called, from 1989 until 1994, so only another year after this. They had a one-time reunion in 2014, and believe me, when the chorus on this song kicks in, if you're not sure what it is, you will know, including It already sounds like every Seattle rock song ever. Well, they are, yeah, good (laughs) point. But this this is much more 90s than some of the things we were listening to. Oh. You know this song. God, this is that song where you're like, mom's cleaning the house and it's on the radio in the background. <laughs> like, 
Is that how you identify it? Yes. That's funny. It's absolutely one of those. They're Everyone knows what I mean by that, too. I do. You know, your mom cleaning the house on a weekend. Yeah. Like, Saturday morning, you're, like, waking up and, like, the radio's on. Yep. And you're like, what? Like, uh, the Carly Simon or something, yeah. you know. Or just whatever the radio station yeah. is. Like, nothing, nothing of consequence. It could be something like that, yeah. yeah. Well, the chorus is coming up, folks, but... Before I do that, I want to say there are a lot of people that view this as one of the worst songs ever. I'm dead serious. Why? I think because they think it's annoying. Let's listen. Is it one of those that's just overplayed? I don't know. It might be the chorus. No. It's coming. It is. I know it's coming. Iconic chorus. I don't know that I... I don't dislike this song. I don't either. It... Reminds me of being a kid. Yeah, I, like it reminds me of what it just was on the radio all the time. And you know what? I do think the '90s, in a weird way, is the last era of this kind of people would just keep the radio on all day kind of stuff. And well, yeah, I mean, a- until night, and then it's like, oh, then we can watch TV. Some people. I worked at a place where that was still very common to have like the radio on in an office, like over the phone. Yeah, in the offices too. We're still doing that. And that was like a carryover. That's definitely a carryover from like 80s, 90s office culture. But pre earbuds, even though earbuds existed, but in wire form, but still, like people didn't, like people would have a hi fi system in their home and they would turn the radio on in the morning because. This device they paid for, yeah. they're going to use it. Oh yeah, right? you know what I mean. My, like my mom would have the radio on yeah. while doing, like you said, while cleaning or something, chores or something. And yeah. then when I was driving around, I'd, yep, I'd be listening to the radio in the car. Yep, usually Magic ninety eight point three, which is like light. Like my <laughs> dad used to, my dad used to have a rule: in the morning you could watch, you know, the cartoons, but then you know, no TV until you know the news or something, right? There so, you go. Okay. Like so, it was like the radio was on all day. Okay, you know, that's true. You've told me that. Yeah. Folks, uh, before we get to 1994, why don't we why don't we just take a pause here, listen to some commercials and stuff like that? Again, casual, laid back, listen to some music, have some fun with Joe and Quinn today on Acid Wash Memories. And on the other side of this break, we'll be back with the Billboard Top 100. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, damn. I can't even pull it Super off. Super relevant. One hit wonders. <laughs> right after this. ESPN and Tommy Boy present Jump Jams, the hottest crowd pumping sports jams of all time. Jump Jams, available at record stores everywhere. Dave Thomas has a dream of competing in pairs figure skating and winning gold. Hi, Bertie. I'm looking for a skating partner. What do you say? Oh, Dave. Well, I did win a gold medal for figure skating in 1992. But no pairs? No. Well, let's have lunch anyway. Got a full afternoon? Get a Wendy's 299 old fashioned quarter pound single combo made fresh to order with Biggie Fries and a cold drink. Hey, cut! <laughs> Mr. Who looking for a partner? Oh, boy. The single combo, just $2.99. Kentucky State Fair presents live in concert, Little Richard, August 17th at Cardinal Stadium. Then Friday night, August 18th, H-Town, with special guest star, Monica. Then Saturday, August 19th, The Rembrandts, with special guest star, Blessed Union of Souls. 
concerts are free with your State Fair Gate admission. All shows at 8 p.m. This year, don't miss the big stars live. Presented by Kentucky State Fair. It's finally here. NBC premiere Thursday. For the Friends moment you've been waiting for. Oh, my God. Will Ross and Rachel get together? Rich! Can't tell ya. Then Jonathan Silverman's The Single Guy. Must-see TV. And you won't believe the big news on the premiere of Seinfeld. Yeah, this is like Pearl Harbor, the Kennedy assassination. God! Then, Leah Thompson is Caroline in the City, and the wait is over. The premiere of ER. Now that's must-see TV. Premiere Thursday on NBC. And now we return to more acid-washed memories. Hey, welcome back. Hi. Acid-washed memories here, episode 33. We're talking all about 90s one-hit wonders. Uh, Joe Murata, Michael Quinn. Hi. Having fun doing this, We're Quinn. here. It is nice. You know, we've been very intense lately, covering mm -hmm. some very, very specific things like Super Mario 2 and Saved by the Bell and the Turtles and all yeah, that. That's very intense. A lot of information. It's so intense. Yes. Yeah. A lot of info. Yeah. A lot of things to cover. So we figured we'd just kick back this week. But if you're liking what we do here, folks, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast application. Give us a follow on Twitter or X or Y or whatever mm -hmm. uh, at AWM Podcast and join our group. Is that what they're changing it to next? Y? I think so. When are they going to make it to Z? Well, they, a couple years. That's that's the whole marketing stunt. After Z, they'll just change it back to Twitter. Good. Or what if it's A? Don't give them ideas. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, I want to pause to note here in case anyone is out there screaming at whatever device they're listening to this on. How come he didn't mention certain people like Vanilla Ice? That's because that wasn't his only hit. He also had a hit with Play That Funky Music. Yeah. Cover. There you go. Uh, how come he didn't mention EMF? You know, unbelievable. Because they had another Billboard hit with Lies in 1992. I'm sure people are asking about MC Hammer. Same thing. He had multiple hits. Hanson. Hanson didn't just have Oombop. They had two other songs, Where's the Love, and they had, I I there's some other song. Can't remember the name of it. I'm not going to lie. I didn't care about yeah, anything but, other than Oombop. Right. <laughs> but I'm just saying these aren't one-hit wonders. They're just almost one-hit wonders. The presidents of the United States of America, they didn't just have peaches. They also have lump. Yeah. Bring in these songs. The lump. Third Eye Blind did not just have semi-charmed life. The Spice Girls definitely had more than one hit, even in the U.S. They have two very good albums, and I'm not going to... They do. They're both I will, good. I will staunchly defend them, and I don't care. I'll, I'll be right next yeah. to you defending them. Yeah, they're staunchly. very they're very great pop albums, I, and they're ne they should not be touched. Nobody should bother them about 100 it. 100% yeah. I agree with you. 100%. Yeah. Ace of Bass didn't just have The Sign. Yeah. And The Spin Doctors, you know, they had two princes, mm -hmm. but they also had Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. And Fastball, I already mentioned. So in case you're wondering, well, why do you mention this? Because some of them aren't one-hit wonders. You just forgot the other song. Yeah. And that was the thing we were talking about. There's a difference between the one-hit wonder entirely and having two or three hits, but shortly. To move on to 1994 here, which is a great year in music. To me, it's like the peak of grunge. Yeah, and also kind of the end. The, I mean, the, the, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, yeah. this is as big as it goes. Nirvana was no more by yeah. 94. A Foo Fighters started up shortly after. Uh, Offspring was big. Right. In 94, Green Day. Um, but by 95, we start heading into the pop is back, baby. None of this grunge. The gangster rap starts to fade. Like, right. Yeah, I mean, hip-hop, though, and R&B are still very huge throughout the rest of the mm -hmm. 90s. But you're right. Yeah, pop comes back. Rock kind of phases out. But in 1994, Cotton Eye Joe. You know that fucking speaking of wedding songs? That's by Rednecks. Remember how at the Yankee games yes. they used to they would say he's he's live in the thing and they recorded <laughs> yeah. it like once like fifteen years ago and it's like just a guy with a straw hat like dancing to Cotton Eye Joe and they're like it's him that's Cotton Eye Joe live in the booth there's like a picture of President. 
bush senior <laughs> yeah. in the back. It's like, it, like the quality of the clip looks yeah. old, even in like 2001. Yeah. You're like, when did they make this? Like, He's got the old Pepsi bottle yeah. sitting on the shelf. You're like, this isn't live. <laughs> right. It would bother me when I was at these games. I know, me too. We used to we used to complain about it to each yeah. other at Yankee games. That's we an did. old clip. <laughs> yeah, we'd be he like, ain't up there. Full of shit. <laughs> He's not there now. <laughs> uh, but the big one I wanted to highlight from 1994, this is a song that was, I get to finally use the word, ubiquitous uh, mm-hmm. for several years in the 90s, particularly in 95 and 96. The reason I'm throwing it into 1994 is because that's when it initially came out. And it's by a band from England known as Everything But The Girl. It is very possible that this is a big band in England, but we had exactly one hit uh, known as Missing, and they were an electronica duo, um, 80s all the way up to 2000. This is the Todd Terry Club remix. Hmm. This They both got played on the radio. This one went way up on the charts. You know this one, Quinn. Oh, this song. Oh my God. Everywhere, right? Oh, it was like... It was on like New York radio, like all the freaking time. Yes. Like, like, just start playing. Like, and you're like, what is this? And like, right. I, I didn't even know this song had a name. I just, it was just, <laughs> just bumping. Like, it was right. just like whatever. And there's that other version where there's not all this like drums and stuff under it. It's yeah. just like, talk, 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 yeah. talk. I mean, I like so this in the better. 90s, and I, I don't know if this still is a thing. One sec. Huge hit. Go ahead, Quinn. In the 90s, I remember remember a lot of trips. My friend's dad, I would go to his work with him. You know, like our parents would take turns like watching us. So sometimes we'd have to, me and my friend would go with it, especially during the summer, you know? Yeah. Um, We'd go to his dad's to his work, right? We'd be driving up to the city. And I remember songs like this. Yeah. Like just as we were getting closer in New York City, radio was really kicking in on the long turnpike trip. (laughs) <laughs> over the outer bridge crossing and all this. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and just this kind of stuff. Baby, you miss. <laughs> like, like all this like weird club music just yeah, thumping the whole huge. way through. There was and some Because you, you turned on Z100 or something. Yeah, it was you know? early in the morning or right. whatever. Yeah, and then on the Z100 way back Zoom. too, it's still going. No, yeah. it's true though. Yeah. And this song, I swear, was like playing all summer of like 96 it's or something. It's one of those very like loop style songs where it can just yeah. go on it just drones on and on and then finally like the DJ like goes din, din, din. like okay we're going to the next like like a bunch of stupid noise you remember, <laughs> you remember a lot of that crap with songs like these these club mixes where the, oh, of course. the DJ on the radio would start adding in his sound effects yes. and stuff and we're giving away a thousand bucks if, if you know uh, Britney Smears middle name it's like what what is her middle name I don't know well I guess we ain't winning the thousand you know it's always some dumb is it Lynn or something it, it, what's it, her middle name I think that's her sister. Either no, way, it's Jamie. Oh yeah, you're right. Her I, 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 but there was always like these, Funny always out. these really ridiculously stupid like contests. Always giving money, trying to get people to listen and call. Trying to get people to listen and call. You yeah. said it, Quinn. Uh, Britney Spears' middle name is Jean, which mm-hmm. I think I knew, but I forgot. I literally obviously. just like made up that question because it just sounded like something they would say. That's exactly the type of thing they would say. Yeah. and it was a simpler yeah. time. Let's move on. In 1995, a couple of songs I want to talk about here. One of Us by Joan Osborne. Uh, no relation to Ozzy. Yeah, ha, ha, ha. Do you know this one by title, One of Us, Joan Osborne? No, you'd have to play it. It's, uh, What If God Was One of oh. Us. That one. See, it's not called What If God. See, See yeah. I thought of it as What If God Was One of Us. Yep. Now, this song, 
I had no idea who this was, by the way. I had no idea who it was either. It was more popularized by the fact that Dr. Evil started singing it <laughs> in Austin Powers. Yeah. yeah. Singing it like himself. Yes. Like, right. <laughs> like, and he sounded like an idiot. Right? <laughs> and it was funny. Yes, and like, it was funny. Yeah. And people laughed. Yeah. Because it was funny. What if God was one of us? So there was a television sitcom that a few people have heard of um, known as Friends. Yeah. It was on for a little while. Mm-hmm. And it had a very catchy theme song that a lot of people hate. I'll be there for you. I'll be there for you. And so the band that recorded the theme song for the show, they said, well, why don't we put out the full version of it and capitalize on the success of this program? I mean, Uh, that song was a huge hit. And it was. So I'll be there for you by the Rembrandts uh, was released as a single in 1995. I have a weird question because I have a feeling you've listened to the album. Have you? Not the whole. No, no, no. <laughs> I really want to know if they did the bumper music, the. Dee-ne, dee-ne, I don't think Because so, it sounded like the band that sang the not, theme also did that. That's not the same thing. Come uh, on now. Well, you never know, right? No, I do. I think <laughs> I think I do. Now, the Rem, by the way, we're going to listen to some Rembrandts. This is unscheduled listening. Uh, the Rembrandts were around before Friends yeah. and they were around after. And yeah, they did paintings and stuff. <laughs> This sounds exactly what I thought it would sound like. Oh, yeah. This is, this is a 1990s uh, rock and roll band. Mid-tempo, fucking yeah. almost indie rock, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the same kind of music looking back. A lot of it is. It's a lot of the just whatever. Like It is, though. It's like we're just kind of jamming here. Do we please have a chorus? Buy, please buy our album. <laughs> right. Like, all right, another song. Yeah. One more song. It's like... Hey, want to go to Starbucks? <laughs> like that, that new place? Yeah. <laughs> that when, new when place, new. Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, let's get out of here. Yeah. How Bizarre. You know yeah. that song? How, how Bizarre. bizarre how, how Bizarre. bizarre. By oh, that was another, uh, hey, it's Z100. How Bizarre. How yep. Bizarre. That's like, another like one of those. All, all the time, yep. every time. 1995, that was a big hit. But I think for me, one of the most 1995 one-hit wonders that I could possibly pick is by Deep Blue Something. This peaked at number five, for crying out loud. Breakfast at Tiffany's, which... Another, if you lived in the nine, if you lived in the 90s, you heard this song way too much. Right. Like, well, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Now, what's funny is the Rembrandts could have done this song. <laughs> they could have. And it could have... It, it could easily have said the Rembrandts on right. Spotify underneath this, like oh, right? It's oh. like, and, I, and it would not like surprise me or anything. In fact, the album could also be called Home, but by the Rembrandts, right? Like, <laughs> It'd be fine. Yeah. The other thing too is like all of these bands, what they are is not R E M. Basically, yeah. that's what it yes, is. That's true. Like this band in particular almost sounds like R E M at times. Mm-hmm. Even his voice is a little bit Michael Stipe-ish. A this little. Co- also could have easily been the theme to uh, Pete and Pete. And nobody would have like batted an eye. Like from the chorus on, right? Yes, yes. No, this is still great. It's very similar. (laughs) It is. Now, when you talk about whether you like this song or not, when you talk about what makes a pop rock radio hit, it is this type of song where it's mid tempo and accessible, and it's three chords. And then for the chorus, they they change they kind of the, rev it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And they change the chord progression around. I think it's a one five four to one four five, and uh, or vice versa. It's got the thing in it where the whole room goes breakfast at yes. Tiffany's, and then just everyone shuts up because yep. like they just know that, that part. Yep, because they've heard it one thousand <laughs> times on the radio. But that's all you need to be a one hit wonder. But I th- can't tell you how many times I went breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> 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 
Exactly. Like, like that's 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 the lyrics, Joe. That's but, the official lyrics. But, yeah, nah, 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 nah. By people listening to it while they like do some manual labor. Like, what? <laughs> I wonder if this will be our most like skipped episode because people, <laughs> people are like, "What is this crap?" Yeah, like, why are you guys stop? Yeah, but we're just having fun. Uh, we hope you are too. But anyway, Deep Blue Something. You know, they were banned for, believe it or not, 10 years, 91 to 01. This is the only thing that anyone's really heard. Do you want Do you want to hear another song by Deep Blue Something? I think we should. I, I don't think, even like what is another song by Deep Blue Something. Let's just try uh, Josie from the same album, Home, in 1995. The significantly less plays. <laughs> Play the least played song, actually. <laughs> like, what is that on here? The uh, 101. That uh, would be Can- I Can Candace, Wait. No, the Candace, oh. Kandinsky Prince. <laughs> that seems like the Where? worst. The Kandinsky Prince. Where's the Kandinsky Number Prince? Number eight. Hit it. Let's see how bad it is. Okay. I've got the same Kandinsky Prince that my brother got. This sounds almost like Breakfast at Tiffany's yeah. for some reason. It's peppy. Weird beat. What if we get this song like to, to like, like a thousand yeah. people or whatever listen to it? Like, Let's get it to chart, man. Yeah. People have been missing out on the Kandinsky Prince. This is not that bad. It's not horrible. I'm not surprised. We're here like, fuck this band. Yeah. Fuck, fuck let's find their worst song. <laughs> meanwhile, yeah. catchy. Yeah. Now, does it turn around for a chorus, though? Yep. It is it's all right. Yeah, I said, what about It's just a basic chorus. Yeah. It's not bad. Well, we know what Quinn's listening you know, to tomorrow. You know, <laughs> this feels like an album that's just a demo for the record company. And it's like, please pick one of these and make it a hit. Like, <laughs> it's probably every song sounds like very similar. That's great. Like, You're right, though. It's, it's like, probably true. It's just some different modification of the same concept. That's probably like, true, Michael, because that was very similar in, in yeah. structure. Uh, not in rhythm, obviously. Uh, let's move on to 1996 because this has a, a whopper here. Is it the burger? Uh, no, no, but okay. So the Billboard has also what is known as a year-end chart, mm-hmm. which goes through the whole year and the highest songs, blah blah. blah. So not only was it a one-hit wonder in 1996, but it was also number one Billboard year-end. Okay, uh, Los del Rio, Macarena. Oh, now yes. we're not playing it. Please, I don't want to even talk about it other this, than acknowledge it. But okay, weddings. If you're younger, <laughs> weddings. This thing was like the biggest thing in the universe. And I've said that about a couple of things on here, but this was like bigger than all of that. Bigger than Scarlet Fever. If I you will. had the single on cassette <laughs> in a like because it was a single on cassette. It came. It didn't come in a hard ca- case. It, it came in like a slide oh, a sleeve cardboard like, thing, like a hot pocket. Yeah, like because that's what they did for the cassettes. They're like we're not even like, wasting plastic. We're not, we're not even wasting shit. plastic on like one song that you're just gonna keep hitting rewind on. <laughs> and I think true. it just had like a modification of Macarena on the on the B side. Like it was yeah, just was like the mix. same yeah. thing. That's like, true though. Yeah. <laughs> just turn it around. It's the, the song just keeps playing. Just listen to it again. Yeah, it's like Teddy Ruck been over yeah. here uh but yeah this was obviously you guys probably know the song you probably did the dance some of you you know you did out there don't lie there was like lessons in parks on how to do this <laughs> dance it's real oh like the news and shit yeah. They're like okay and you put your hand out like this and then you put the other hand out like this and then you flip your hand over and then you flip the other hand over and then you put it on your chest and then you put the other one on your chest hey macarena hey yeah, probably like Joan London doing it with Charlie Gibson or oh, some Oh, this is shit. definitely a Good Morning America segment. There's no doubt about it. 
The new uh, craze is it's taking over America. You you need to know how to do this. Yeah. Uh, and then Charlie Gibson looks <laughs> stupid. Like like it's like it's just an excuse to make Charlie Gibson a very serious journalist looks dumb. Yeah, he like, should be doing much better things than that. Yeah. It's like they're standing out in the like the, the little square that's outside <laughs> right. of the 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 living the studio, room. Yeah. The studio living room. <laughs> uh but the the one I wanted to um the one I wanted the spotlight is counting blue cars by Dishwalla. Now Dishwalla was that I've post, never heard of them. I know. <laughs> I know you haven't. A post grunge band, alternative rock. That is a '90s ass cover to an album. It is like, a lady in like '50s holding uh, a deer by on a costume. leash. Yeah, <laughs> you will know the song when the chorus kicks in, Quinn. I okay. know you will know the chorus. This is a huge hit in the mid '90s in '96. And this is the verse. Give me, give me the hook. Oh, it'll get there. Mm. It's totally different than the verse. Yeah, this is not is a this song. One of those where they on the commercials they would just play just the hook and then probably on, on only the hook. Probably like movie trailer style. Yeah, this is not a wedding song. You know. Yeah. No. We're, we're getting there. We're in the pre-chorus now. We're getting there. It's weird that it has all this build-up. A lot of build. It's four, four minutes and fifty-one seconds. It is. But are you ready? It's coming. They hit it. Folks, here it comes. You know the chorus. He said, Tell me oh, oh, come on! <laughs> yes, this was in trailers and stuff. <laughs> After all that build-up, right? That's a great hook! Yeah. They did. I feel like the hook. The, the, the hook, hook. I feel like the hook was exclusively played. Like nothing else. <laughs> the only meaningful part. It's like Titan A or something. Like, you know, like well, like, well, you know what? I'm trying to think of like some random '90s movie. No, that's great. Yeah. That's great though. That's perfect. Uh, you know, it made reality bites one of those, but like Blues Traveler, who was not a one-hit wonder because they had Run Around and Hook. Yeah, that song. Hook by Blues Traveler mm-hmm. is all about. I mean, they did a little Captain Hook imagery, but it's all about how it doesn't matter what you say in the verse because the they hook say it out loud. It doesn't in the song. matter what I say, right? And yeah. the hook brings you. It's just yeah. a brilliant parody of this whole concept because we're hearing the, it. This is literal. This is like the definition of a hook. Like the rest of the song sucks. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's listen to. Um, Charlie Brown's Parents by uh, Dishwalla. Let's hear what that's all about. Let's just do it. That's a million listens. I don't like it. (laughs) I'm not here for this. Wait. That's not... It's not what you think. It's... Oh, you're thinking of Under the Bridge by the Chili Peppers? It's not the same. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like a... (laughs) It's not the same. (laughs) What? Creep. Yeah, it's all sort of it's all sorts of nineties things right now. Very derivative. It's just like a derivative yeah. song, but Wow. Let's move on to nineteen ninety seven. That's here. why Dishwalla never made it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. A lot of big ones in ninety seven. Mm-hmm. Bitch by Meredith Brooks, which I absolutely love that song. You know that one, right? Bitch, yeah. I'm a child. I'm a mother. I'm a okay. Now that song, her whole album was her first solo album. That's the capitalize on Alanis. 
Yes. Because it's very similar in tone. It's a great friggin' song. Yes. Alanis is another one that was just... She was not a one-hit wonder, though, man. How many times in the 90s did you see Ironic, where she's in the car and she's like six different people? Like, that freaking oh, yeah. music video was just on, like, all the time. Oh, that was, was a on, huge like, video. Like, other channels. Like, not even MTV. It's just, like, on. The car... The specificness of like the windows being a little dirty and it's cold outside, it gives me a feeling of being in the car with my father. Just because it's like cold, it's like that right. kind of thing. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's must. Yeah. But a lot of this is not a one hit wonder. Yeah. Well, by any means. I no. Mean, like four or five but there's of those definitely, songs were big. There's got to be derivatives of her. Yeah. Meredith Brooks, so talented in her own right, talented singer, songwriter, guitarist. And that was her big hit. But I, I happen to love that whole album, right. just for the record. But we have to mention this one, especially for our friends on the other side of the pond. Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. Yes. What a weird song, huh? <sighs> Chumbawamba. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Tub Thumping. I would always think of Thumper and Twisted Metal 2 whenever I would hear that name. Thumper is which one now? That's the pink... Chevrolet looking car that, that right. the fire yeah. comes out the front a of it. Thumper. Yeah, thumper. thumper. I just uh, that would come to my head. I always played as minion and use the code. Oh, yeah. Okay, always. In two and three. Axel's pretty good. Oh, that Axel. Yeah, yeah the, Axel's the, good. The guy who they attached his arm. He's basically just it, what if we put the Jax from Mortal Kombat, but we made him a car? Yeah. Like it's the same guy. <laughs> There's like, also Sweet Tooth, he's fun. Right. Yep. And Dark Tooth. But can mm-hmm. you play as Dark Tooth? He's the boss. You can't no, I mean, with a code though. There might be a code. Minion's like way too cheap though. I loved like, Minion though. He's, he's too good. Right? Like, you just kill people just by knocking into them. Like because yeah. he was just so like overpowering. I know. There was great. like damage when you ran into him. It's a good time. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Welcome back to our tangent. All right. You know the wallflowers? Yeah, them. One headlight. That was a biggie. Oh yeah. Wallflowers. For again, I'm not trying to be obvious. Just we have a varied audience. Some people are not big music fans. I might not know. The wallflowers was fronted by. Bob Dylan's son, Jacob Dylan. Yeah. He was the main singer. And One Headlight is their biggest hit. They really didn't. I never knew that, that it was oh. Dylan's son. Well, there you go. <laughs> so it's for my co-host as yeah. well. That's, again, we're, we, know, we know what we know. But the one that I wanted to spotlight here for 1997 is uh, the impression that I get by the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. I know everything about this. <laughs> no, I don't. But this song, yes. that is, the minute you turn it on, I know what it is. Exactly. So this every, song... Every teen movie had this stupid song in it. This is one of those feel-good... Now, it's a Scott Punk song, yeah. obviously. You can hear that. Mm-hmm. The thing about the Boss Tones is they were a legitimate, in their scene, band. 83 they started. Yeah. This is 97. I'm not going to lie. The cover of this album, everyone that's on that in the corner there yeah. looks like they could be in the movie Swingers. At the end, in like that, in that like bar or that? whatever, big dad voodoo daddy. Is yeah, the yeah. That. But remember but, how he was like, I really like jazz or something. <laughs> yes. Like they go to this like place. Yes. Now this is the chorus that everyone knows. Yeah. This to me, and uh, I don't. Again, no scientific evidence to back this up. This is a big wedding song. This is how I feel like if you needed to explain pop ska punk to people. You, this is the song. It's also if you needed to explain the vibe of the mid '90s, specifically the mid late '90s. Yeah, the, the later middle '90s. You're 100 percent right. Like this, this like old. We're gonna go old school, like right. Yeah. Like there was also like a weird '70s revival, like while this weird like jazz thing was going on as well. Well, there was because third wave ska in yeah. its own right is um, 
really derived from the two-tone from the 70s, which is punk ska is a mix of like the original Jamaican ska from the 50s and 60s but on yeah, the rock set. ska, but all these guys dressed in the suits like it's like 40s jazz or something. Well, that's like, what was that about? Right around the same time, Cherry Poppin' Daddies and uh, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy were leading right. the swing revival. Okay. Because there right was like this weird, time. it was this weird melding pot of like, yes. hey, we're gonna bring back you know suits and the white sh- the white shoes with yeah. the the you know from the forties or oh, something. And also, by the way, you can just buy bell bottoms again in the in the, in the that in was the jeans section because we're gonna do that too. That's true. It was that this happens. Weird mishmash of stuff. <laughs> That's like, true. I really do like this song though. Yeah, it's very good. It's very very catchy song. Very you know, if I had to look but- up this song. I would not know because in my head is and I can't type that in a computer like so like somebody just needs to make a program like a like an AI that if it hears me humming a song yep. that it can figure out what it is oh it'll happen one right, day yeah. I guarantee yeah. you that we're not far from like that. with my like not knowing the lyrics at all yeah but I like that yes. it's part of the charm yeah that's the impression that I get anyway mm-hmm. stop uh, 1998, another great year in pop culture. We've talked about it with baseball, with the wrestling, with video the music, games. with the video games. And, like, everything movies. was good in 1998. What it, the fuck with that it, year, it's man? It's the peak. Ni- it's like the best the 90s got. Yeah, like, it might be. 1998 had a song known as Closing Time by Semisonic. You know that one. It's in every bar in America since it's released. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. You know that yep. one? Uh, which was an interpolation of a Rolling Stone song. Uh, Sex and Candy by Marcy pa- Playground. I want sex and candy. Remember that one? Kind of. Sorry for my singing. Natalie Imbruglia with her cover. Yes, it was a cover of Torn. Hmm. That is one of the most 90. You know Torn. Do I need to play Torn? You, you know might Torn. need to play it. You're, you're saying okay. a name that's not ringing a bell. Well, we're going to play two songs then from 98. Okay. I, I have another one. but Why not, right? Torn is, in my mind, this is the late 90s to me. Like This is pop radio, late 90s. Oh, okay. Yeah, this song. Should we get to the chorus? Because yeah, this is this is like always on. It's a great you're song. You're coming in from a Friday from school, and this yeah. is like just you're, on the radio. You're driving to the baseball game. Yeah, anything. Going to the Yankee game. Beautiful. I would never know the title of this song. But like, she says it. I know, but I. I just it, it just it just didn't occur to me. I know. I it was. You know what? The, I always felt like that was the problem a lot with these one-hit wonders, is that you would hear them on the radio so much that first of all, you wouldn't even seek them because they were just like always in your ear. Right? Well, you wouldn't true. even you look didn't have for them. To seek them out. Yeah. You, you weren't looking. So sometimes I just wouldn't even know the title. This was like a noise in my ear constantly. This song. Right. I would imagine though they said the title on the radio, Quinn. They might have, but did I care? Because they were just going to play the next thing that yeah, wasn't this that I heard five million times by that point. <laughs> it's true. It's like maybe they'll play something different. <laughs> I, I was to... that kind of person, right? <laughs> were you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I wanted to shout out uh, this song though because it's a huge one from '98. Good golly, it was this all over, and I still like it. Uh, not a wedding song though. A little too mid tempo for a wedding, right? A little too rough. A little too rough. <laughs> uh, let's uh, wrap up '98 with. Flagpole Sitta by Harvey Danger. You're going to play this. I have no idea what it is, and then I'll know what it is so, because it will try it on a hundred times. You'll you'll know the chorus. Yeah. I don't know if you'll know the whole thing. Um, 
but you'll definitely know the chorus. Oh, yeah, I've heard this one. <laughs> so, Harvey Danger. Ah, uh, uh, yes, this yes. song. Not a person, uh, but the name of an alt-rock band that was active from 92 until 2001, and then again from 04 to 09. This is all their only hit. It's weird. This song sounds like it's by a bigger band. Yeah. Like, like this, this absolutely sounds like it's by somebody way more important than this. This could have been a mislabeled yes. Napster, right? Yes. I would think trying so. Trying to think who would we label it. I don't know, because it's not R.E.M.E. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's not Offspring-E. Beck or something. Not a Beck. Maybe the Presidents. Oh, the, the Presidents. Yeah. It's got everything a hit needs, though. Yep. Bouncy chorus. Very hummable. Hummable. Easy, easy yeah. song, yeah. isn't it? Like, just a, a radio hit waiting to happen. I bet you they didn't You're even mean a, to. You're in a car with your friends. Yeah, and exactly. This is playing. And I bet they didn't even mean to. Right? They probably just wrote it. Oh, this is catchy. And then it caught on. So, I mean, sometimes it, it when you're a band, you're just looking to make money, right? Eventually, maybe you can maybe you can do this. Looking to sell for, your records. Maybe you can do this for a living, right? Maybe. That's the dream. Maybe, right? And you make a song and you, you send it on cassette to the record company. Yeah, to the big wigs. And then see if they like it. They usually don't, but this time they did. Yep. Uh, 1999. Home stretch here, folks. The last year of the 90s. Have to mention uh, two songs before we get to our featured one. My Own Worst Enemy by Lit. Do you know that one? Probably. I'll imitate the guitar. absolutely know that. There you go. Uh, She's So High by Tal Bachman. I'm going to have to play it just, just for the chorus. Um, I, the thing I, I, is, I hate that. You like, probably think yeah. it's somebody else, this song, because... Who even is this man on the, <laughs> on the screen? Anything should happen. You'll, you know. Oh. <laughs> Again, in tons of movies. Yep. yep, but would it's, you like, have... it's always the scene when they're like the establishing shot of like this is where we go to school. Yeah, <laughs> like like this is our high school. Yeah. Like, would you have had? And like this is my girlfriend Tiffany, and then and this is playing as he's like going down the hallways. Would you have? You know, had... you know what I mean? Did you know who this was? Because I had no idea I've until never heard of this man. Like, <laughs> what? Why is the picture of me? He's like a hundred years old on the on in his like artist picture. I mean, this is like <laughs> look, at him, look at him. Like compared to like this, too is he dark? He's like, he's like he's like nineteen in the in his album, and then this artist picture. He's like fifty fifty seven or something. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the one we're spotlighting though, it wouldn't be the nineties. Now I know this song by its title without Lou Bega and Mambo Number Five. This, of course, uh, needs no further explanation, but I do want to talk about Lou Bega. Maybe I'm mixing things or conflating things of the 90s right now, but was, like, Ricky Martin involved with this or something? No. Or, like, did it have some other <laughs> artists that, like, chimes in or helped with some of the instrumental? <laughs> like, how Santana was just, like, friends with people Don't or something in the 90s? With Smash Mouth yeah, or whatever? Yeah, like, I'm gonna be, I'm just on guitar here, but it's and he's singing else. it, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no. No, but, okay. So, Lou Bega, this is very strange. He was a German-born person. He was a German citizen, uh, born to a Ugandan father and a Sicilian mother. Weird. A very eclectic combo. I, I like it. And he released uh, Mambo Number no. 5 in 99. Um, here's the chorus. Yep. Wedding song. Yep. A little bit of little, little known fact, Joe, he's, uh, he's cousins with Savio Bega. 
I'm going to have you taken out of <laughs> <Yeah>. here. Uh, <laughs> now, he obviously did pop. This is a pop-ish Mambo song. Uh, he did rap as well. But here's the deal with Mambo Number no. 5, because the title is a bit of a, a joke uh, to people sometimes. So this is actually a sample and a cover and an interpolation of what? The original Mambo Number no. 5 from 19... 19- 49. Wow. No, I thought you were going to say 59, but... 49 by Damaso Perez Prado, who is a Cuban musician, very influential at bringing the mambo genre to the United States. Now, Mr. Uh, Prado here, mm-hmm. he wrote uh, all different mambos, because that's what he did, was mambos, right? But this right? was the fifth mambo, of course. When he didn't have like a title for it, he just numbered it. <laughs> so he also has a mambo number eight. Really? The very, But Lou Bega right. never covered it. Well, he should have. It might be on the extended album, <laughs> the special edition that they used to sell. You know, and the, you remember when you used to go to Sam Goody, and there used to be something like on the ceiling, like you couldn't reach it, and yeah. it's like some like it's some like metal box set of like some very prestigious like here's the entire collection ever of Bruce Springsteen or something. Yeah, and yes. it's like oh, man, and you look up, and you all you can see is a tag that says like two hundred and fifty dollars on it, and you're like, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, so that's where Mambo Number Eight is. You're saying it's up yeah, there it's on up, the ceiling. It's up, it's on the ceiling on the at ceiling. FYE or something. <laughs> what a prestigious place. Yeah, yeah. Well, that does it for the 90s. Hey, again, folks, we are not trying to make you think too hard this week. We're just trying to help you pass the time. Maybe you're working. Uh, like most people listening to something while they're at work, a lot of people back in the day used to listen to the music while they were at they work. They did. Or driving. And now maybe you're listening to us talking about listening to music. Right. And it, that's very fancy. We've moved on in our world, right? We have moved on. But one thing that hasn't moved on uh, is memories of music because I think everyone listening has their favorite songs from, from various decades. I'm sure uh, that a lot of the songs we played and mentioned and talked about and badly sang, again, we're sorry. Uh, they're one-hit wonders. They're meant to be badly sung. <laughs> yeah, usually with alcohol in your hand. Yes. And a plate of chicken in front of you. Uh, Why chicken? A wedding. Oh, okay. Usually chicken because it's cheaper than... Or usually like a pasta salad of some kind. Yeah, that's yeah. true. No mayo, right? No, nah. Vinegar? Nah. Neutral. It really depends on the family, what, they're, what they're into. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, whatever you're into, we hope you are into uh, this episode. And if you're not, hey... Next week is something else, right? I mean, that's right. what we always do around here. So mm-hmm. you'll be covered next week. But we want to remind you guys to uh, follow us on the Twitter, on the X, whatever it is, at AWM Podcast. And also join our Facebook group. Talk about the music with us. Yes, there are songs we didn't mention. We know that. Tell us about them. What songs do you like that were one-hit wonders from the 90s or before or even after? 2000s, yes. fine also. Go ahead and do that. And leave us a review if you don't mind. But, Quinn, I've got nothing left to say, nothing left to Same. play. I love one-hit wonders I to do a certain too. extent. Just it's because, fun. You know what? They retain a little bit of mystery. A little bit of history. Yeah. Sorry. Well, only because, Sorry. only because, like, my final word on them, that I just think they're cool because because they're one-hit wonders, a lot of people will forget who made them. They'll right. even forget the titles like I do. Yes. And you hear it, and you're like... Oh yeah, that song. Like you know, like and that, True. that they're like little mystery boxes on Spotify. You know, I, ooh, I like the way you, you know. put that. Well, folks, thanks for letting us uh, be in your mystery box, checking off your mystery box this week. We really do appreciate that, and we will be back next week for something completely different. Until that time, follow us where I said to follow us. Leave us a review if you do not mind. And one way or another, we'll see you next week for more acid washed memories. See ya. Like what you heard? 
Be sure to leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We will see you next week. Oh, 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 oh